Dady Lady, the book club of love. Hey, Vera Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. Wait, let me try that again. God damn it. Hi, Vera Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. Welcome to the last episode of the year 2020 of the podcast, Dady Ladies. This is so exciting. This is almost a year to the day when we put out our first episode, which was December 30th, 2019. Well, I think we'll be putting this out on the 30th if we do indeed want to get it in before the end of the year. Whoa. We're doing the Upward Spiral and the Upward Spiral Workbook by Alex Korb, PhD. Dr. Alex Korb, PhD. But first we have some twin sites, Mm -hmm. as is our format. Our tradition. I have a correction from our Twinterlude Mm -hmm. that we um, recently recorded. That is that we were talking about Almighty Op. Mm-hmm. And I said that it was Jeffrey's human persona in Cranko, and that shows how long ago I went to a show because Cranko has not been a part of the show for five years. And now it is the lovely and talented and well manicured Shambles, who, wait, I have to make sure I say this right. Shambles has been assisting him with puppeteering for five years, and she has improved upon all previous efforts. My goodness. Yes. And the shows are fantastic. So, Shambles. <laughs> You do good work. And then I had another twin site that, well, I don't know if it's a twin site. It's just a... Twin observation? Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, it is a twin site because we've mentioned Punch and Judy shows, right? And how much they terrified us when we were kids. If not, I'm mentioning it now. We would, <laughs> living living in London as kids, we would go see Punch and Judy shows and they're just horrifying. Yeah, very violent. And I could have sworn, at least we've complained to each other about what an imprint that's made on us. I mean, kind of... A, a brag complain about it. And then I recalled that the second time I went to see Almighty Op live on that street corner in Koreatown, I took my eight-year-old stepson mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. And the puppets in Almighty Op are legitimately far more disturbing <laughs> than anything you would ever see at a Punch and Judy show. But their message is so sweet. Their hearts are big yeah. and their faces are scary. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So good good on me. Good. You're just keeping the trauma going. I tried to show my son a little almighty op. I was making like cookies and like I had it on on my phone in the kitchen. And then my son came in like, ah, what is this? Because he was staying up way too late. And he was really terrified. By yeah. Faces. yeah. Is that it for Twin Sights? I think it is. Let's start this. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's start go, this mother effort. Let's go. 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 This mother effort. 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 Fucker. Fucker. The Upward Spiral. Wee! The book and the workbook. We said that we were going to do the book, but then it turns out we only both had the workbook because I got you the workbook. I got you. Didn't I get you this workbook? Yes, you did. Yeah. He has a twin gift. I've been reading Upward Spiral every winter, as I mentioned in our last Twinterlude. Every winter. It just kind of resets me a little bit. Reminds me that I got to take care of my brain. My brain's important. Your depressed brain. <laughs> this is a practical neuroscience program for reversing the course of depression, mm-hmm. which we both suffer from <laughs> and have for many years. Well, actually, there's two quizzes in this book early on um, where you write, you know, it gives you little descriptions of uh, reactions to things and then you score it yourself and you see if you're more anxious or depressed. Mm-hmm. And I was across the board, the highest level of anxiety Ooh. for each of those. So I, as I guessed, I'm way more anxious than depressed. Um, that's kind of a more recent thing. I think there's always been kind of a low grade depression, although I wish I understood that more because it does seem kind of circumstantial. And when we tried to record this podcast before, I gave three examples of the 
most depressed times in my life that I could think of. And I think we're going to try and cut those in just so if you think you've, you know, if you've been in a dark place, I just want to, you know, try and one up you. <laughs> nice. um, but this is a seasonal thing for you. Well, no. <laughs> it's all year long. <laughs> but I can usually ignore it during the rest of the year to a certain extent because I have other things to do. I have work. And um, at the end of the year, I take off from work. So I, I just got a lot of me time with my brain. Just me and my brain hanging out. Isn't that great, though? Oh, I love I love being with my brain. But um, without work to focus on a little bit, there's a little bit more time to, to ruminate and wallow and yeah. wonder about if things could be better. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have an analogy for us? I have a bit of an analogy for us. After the election... A couple of days afterwards, our outgoing president did a press conference. I didn't even know it was going to happen, but I was uh, chatting with some work colleagues and they said, oh, he's about to do a press conference. So I, I didn't even know where to look. I found the White House feed and I started to watch it. And if anybody saw that press conference, it was just cuckoo crazy, all about he's won the election and blah, blah, blah. And he was using a term. What was the term? Oh, oh, like valid vote votes or legitimate votes or something. It was like a buzz term that I was like, oh, shit, they're going to try and invalidate you know, basically votes from minorities and people he doesn't like. And I, the more I watched it, like the crazier it got and the more anxious I got. And my work colleagues, some of them were typing, you know, to our group chat and they were kind of laughing about it. And I was not laughing. I, I was horrified by it. And I watched to the end and, um, you know, he walks off stage and you can sort of hear right, right at the very end, a reporter calling out something and they cut, they cut the feed. The White House cuts the feed. So I'm just, I'm like shaking. I'm so taken by this because it's, it sounds like petty dictatorship and I don't know where this is going because, you know, this is before the Electoral College finished their stuff and whatever. So I, and I can't, I kind of can't understand why my colleagues are not taking it as serious as, as I am. And I was alone. My husband was out with my son. Later on, I watch a different version of that that doesn't cut out at the end. And the reporters, you know, it had been dead silent throughout the entire speech. In the uncut version, the reporters just start screaming, basically the reporter version of the polite version of like, what the fuck was that asshole? You know, like there was a response. It wasn't just a silence while this maniac talked nonsense. Like people did respond afterwards. And Mm. seeing that, I was like, okay, yes, everything's right in the world. But I hadn't seen that part. All I'd seen was the version that cut off. So, reading this book, um, page 54, there's a description about the depressed brain. It says, um, they tend to pay more attention to negative events and emotions and to notice more sadness in the world. If you could only change the channel, you'd see everything else that's out there. But you can't. But you. But me. Can. Can. Did. I did. Oh. What kind of, what do you think about that metaphor? I like it really great. My depressed brain accepted everything that it was seeing. If I could only change the channel. All right. I would, I would have seen some reporters go, no, you, you idiot. How fun was that? How fun was that story? Really fun. Really fun, right? Well, it, <laughs> that will help people remember, I think, to change the channel. Yeah, you got to change the channel. Of your head. So that's what these books are about. They're about changing the channel. We're going to go through this book. This book is for, um, we like this book. <laughs> I love Wait, this book. I'm just going to uh, briefly mention some stuff in the foreword. It says this book offers actionable suggestions and exercises. He's using scientific research and he's giving you small changes, evidence-based treatment to help. And as opposed to someone trying to fix your life, like, I don't know. <laughs> like a guru? Like a guru, like um, like a monster, like a... Um, <laughs> Like somebody who charges you $2,500 to do like a two-day seminar where you sit in a huge room with a bunch of other people 
And then he just kind of like yells stuff at you. And then you're like, yeah, I'm feeling pumped and good and all that kind of stuff. And then, but actually nothing happens afterwards. Yeah. Except yeah. maybe if you pay $3,000 to do another seminar. And then, yes, you'll get slightly closer to the truth. And maybe if you pay $5,000, yes. do you get to sit in the bleachers and watch as some asshole dives into his water hole? So you have, you do watch documentaries. <laughs> What is his name? Tony Robbins. Yeah, he has like a little little swimming hole that he just he like jumps into. But we were talking about this and we realized, <laughs> I mean, there's a very powerful scene where he like spouts some garbage, like just just like mouth farts. And then he just like disappears in this weird hole in the ground. <laughs> but, like completely disappears. And what we think is because we can't figure out what that hole is is that it's not like because he's like a really big guy he's like eight feet tall he's probably intimidated with people his entire life and gotten what he wanted because he's an eight foot tall white man yes with a deep with a gravelly voice yeah. um we think the hole is probably just like maybe four foot four <laughs> feet deep <laughs> he just jumps in and just holds his and knees then, and then he just yeah <laughs> he just crouches down in his hole like peering up going up. like are they, are they still watching? Are they still filming? Yeah. Waiting for someone to call lunch <laughs> so he can stand up. Anyway, he's gross. Yeah. We don't want you to have to go to someone gross. Um, we want you to be able to help yourself. So it, it, it tells you the parts of the brain. It yeah. tells you the chemicals that your body produces. It tells you specific things that you can do to produce these chemicals, which will give you feelings of well-being. And this is all stuff you can do by yourself. Yeah, it's it reshapes your neurobiology and it grows your gray matters and your neutrons. <laughs> <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Your neurons. <laughs> your Jimmy neutrons. Your Jimmy neutrons. I, l I love this book because um, it's, well, first of all, you use your brain while you're reading it because you, you gotta, I mean, you don't have to like be a brain expert by the time you're done with this, but it does get your brain going and that feels good. It's like the brain equivalent of exercising. Brain yoga. Brain yoga. And I like the part about, you know, your brain, sometimes if you have depression, your brain can feel broken. And this book tells you your brain is not broken. You can actually fix it. It says if you break your leg, you're not broken. Your leg is broken. Yeah. So if your brain is producing chemicals that are not helpful for you, you need to fix what's going on. Yeah. You are not broken. Yes. You are not a broken person. Yeah. But it doesn't say like, keep reading and we'll reveal in the next chapters how you can, you know, that no, kind of thing. No, he's an honorable man <laughs> yes. and gives you information <laughs> over and over again to help drill it into your brain. And he doesn't even try and sell like a brain drill. You know what I mean? Like at the end. Yeah. You're not like, and here's my merch page. You know, it's like you just you read the book and you get great helpful suggestions. Yes. What are the parts of the brain? Well, just I think we should say there's the limbic, the prefrontal cortex, and the striatum. striatum. Yeah, the, those are the three like sections. Limbic is your emotion, prefrontal cortex is your thinking, and striatum is your action. Habits and impulses in action. Then there's a list of the chemicals, right, that are in your brain and what their functions are, and the correct intervention to get them regulated. And we're not going to tell you what those are because uh, you really should buy the book, but I've seen these on Instagram posts and I'm sure it's just someone copy and pasting this, but this is all the information you need, not just a little bit. Yeah, written by a doctor. So then it goes into labeling your emotions, which for people who grow up with trauma can be extremely difficult to do. Mm -hmm. I know it's... You got to name it to name it. Have you not subscribed to my guru um, methodology of um, vicer sizing? Oh, do you want to 
tell us what that is again? Vice sizing is when you replace one bad habit with a habit that's slightly less bad. Okay, is that in this book? No, okay. that's that's my that's your own book. Yeah, that's okay. my own book. It's your own Amazon self-published. It is. He has this crazy theory that like if you're going to exercise or something, you should reward yourself after, which is like two good things, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like exercise is good for you, and then whatever your reward is for exercising would be good for you. So I, I mean, it's like it's kind of anti. You're saying like you eat too many potato chips so then you pick your face or something no 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 you eat too many potato chips instead of picking your face oh i see if picking your face is worse than eating potato chips you choose the one that's slightly less okay yeah and then you just keep building from there um i am not a doctor so just take that with a grain of pepper so we're going to go through the chapters. Th- some things that hopped out is that um, depression and anxiety are very common. And I would say that COVID has probably leveled the playing field as far as that goes, <laughs> that everyone now has a sense of what depression and anxiety is, even if you were not in touch with those feelings before. I know I laid in bed and just bawled my eyes out this morning for the reason of COVID. Really? I mean, Aww. for the reason of COVID. Yeah. Sometimes I just think about what we're doing right now and it just blows my mind like one of my favorite things to do is just think about like a year ago if I saw myself with a mask on trying to like shove tissues into my mask because my nose is running because I'm standing in line at the DMV and there's somebody who's seven feet in front of me but then he's sort of backing up and I'm freaking out over that and then I actually brought my coffee with me but then I realized I couldn't drink it because the straw wouldn't fit under my mask like I like to imagine a year ago me looking at that and going what the fuck happened what the fuck happened but then the weird thing is that like what i'm doing with the masks and the standing away from people is like the best thing i could be doing i mean i shouldn't be at the dmv i had to go but i am doing the very best to keep myself healthy this is the most positive version of what's happening it's terrifying like we're living through terrifying times we're in los angeles there's a surge i just want to say every single person who is wearing a mask and 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 being safe and thinking about their fellow human beings right now just by existing day to day you everybody's a hero yeah. You just are for living through this. I mean, I, and I'm not even going to get started with people who work in grocery stores and healthcare workers just existing right now and not hurting other people is amazing. You're doing amazing. You're doing amazing, Barbara. Thank you. You're doing amazing too. Thank you. So nice to hear. You sounded very sad when you called me from the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, <laughs> I called you, I had like the microphone from my earbuds stuffed uh. up into my double mask. <laughs> A couple more notes from the chapter one, it's important to understand that you don't have total control over your biology. That's something I did not want to accept for many, many years. Well, I mean, I would like to fly, Barbara, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? I do. And I like your neck thingy that you just did. (laughs) Accepting your limitations frees you to focus on those aspects of your life and brain that you can change. Yeah. Um, How did your brain get this way? Epigenetics are part of it. That Um, means your parents. Um, you can't change your genes, but you can make small changes that can influence your genes. And I'll tell you, for people who have kids, that's very stressful. People who have these conditions and have children, uh, it's just an, it's another whole yeah. level of stress to think that you've done this to somebody else. But we're aware of this stuff now. I don't know any parents who were talking to their kids or who had this kind of awareness, you know, about how the human body works, how chemicals in your brain work. No one talked about that stuff. There was so much 
stigma attached to it. I talked to my son about it. He's seven. Let's see. Also, think of it as a simple feedback circuit, like a microphone and a speaker. This is how to understand the, mi- the circuitry of your brain. If, a, if the microphone is oriented in just a particular way, the volume on the speaker is turned up just a little too high, then even a soft sound can lead to screeching feedback. There's nothing wrong with microphone and nothing wrong with a speaker. Both are working exactly as they're supposed to. The problem arises from the system, the communication between the parts and the inputs that they get. Some interventions help turn down the volume on your anxiety circuits. In other cases, you're turning up the volume on your motivation or decision-making circuits. You're getting your brain back in tune. Ah. So that's what you have to look forward to. Yeah. It's not your fault. You are not to blame. I think that's important for people to hear. And also that the activities in this book will work whether or not you understand the neuroscience behind it. That's the part I like the most. (laughs) I personally like to know this. I do too. I love yoga. This book actually kind of explains why it works. I know I feel better. Um, I don't know. It's just very helpful because there's so much garbage out there and so many YouTube experts and you don't know what is just made up you know, or what is just Tony Robbins garbage, or, you know what I mean? Are you talking about like the toilet seat researchers who are like, educate yourself, and but then they watch YouTubes on the toilet? That's, yes, that's their education. I'm exactly talking about those people. Like Toilet U. Yeah. That's the University of Toilet. <laughs> so chapter two is the activity spiral. Now, what do we have to say about that? Well, the regular book has a part one and a part two. And uh, the part one is four chapters and it goes into a lot more of like what's going on. And then part two is how to help yourself. The workbook kind of goes straight into starting with chapter two, the things that you can do, Mm -hmm. which I love very much. Um, So activity spiral, page 28, there are five main types of activities. Enjoyable activities, achievement activities, meaningful activities, physical activities, and social activities. And we've had social activities taken away from us in COVID. We've had a lot of physical activities taken away, a lot of meaningful a lot of achievement <laughs> and mainly enjoyable. <laughs> so no wonder we are suffering <laughs> fucking crazy. There's a, a table with some different activities uh, across the board. I like reading a book. Yes, me too. <laughs> Watching TV and movies you can still do. You cannot take a trip. You cannot go to concerts. You can learn a new language. That's an achievement activity. Yeah. You can't go to a museum or art gallery. Can I can garden now where I never had the time to do that before. You can write in a journal. Yeah. There are a lot of things you can do, like taking a wordworking class. No, you can't. <laughs> Spending time with family. Maybe. Sort of. Page 31, um, I have this highlighted. To facilitate actually doing more positive activities, it's important to plan them into your schedule. Now, Barbara and I have these little date books that we've been, our dad used to get them for us when we were teenagers. We still have them. I mean, how many do we have now? Like uh, 500. They're these utilitarian little black, what are they called? Data Day planners. Day planners. And I write down everything in them. I write down what's going to happen. I write down what I did. I keep track of all my exercise. I, I keep track of everything because it's really easy to like pretend you've done more exercise than you have or you've drank less than you did. And it's great to write down stuff. I understand right now that we there aren't a lot of activities that we can still do like we used to but I think it's still really useful to keep a record of what you're doing and what you want to do and also a really old Japanese guy was in an article and in that article he said one of the reasons he's really old is that he keeps a schedule of stuff yeah yeah and he has um social stuff in his calendar yeah Yeah. you're having a hard time right now because you don't have a schedule right we're just talking about this yeah I don't have a lot going on I mean I do and I don't usually I have way too many things and right in that now I just have a normal amount of things I don't know like because as I'm saying that it's like well today we're doing our podcast then we're going to have a zoom drinks with our friend Christina Nakaya and then we might have a movie night that's three things right yeah is it getting out of bed is that the oh part? my yes that's very difficult I never get to sleep in 
because I'm either working or I have the kids. So there's not one day a week that I get to sleep in. And it's surprising to me that I did get to sleep in today and I was just miserable. Well, because you're not moving around and hey, back to chapter two, the activity spiral, you need to be moving around, I think. I mean, you, you do need to get enough sleep. That's in chapter five. But once you've gotten your sleep, you need to get up and move. Don't you think that that's the reason that you're feeling a little bit bad? Mm, I think I should be able to just rest in bed. Like I probably needed five more hours of sleep. Really? Do The rare occasion I get to sleep in, I sleep for 12 hours oh. because I never get to sleep in. And I've slept maybe seven hours and then I woke up like in a funk. I think it's, I think it's the sad, the sads. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm sorry. I misspoke. Chapter three is the movement spiral. And that's what I'm talking about. You got to move a little bit. Before we get into chapter three, what are some other notes that we took for chapter two? Page 34 talks about uh, cyclical thinking. Oh, yeah. And um, he mentions a couple different kinds. There's black or white thinking, unrealistic expectations, selective attention. Selective attention becomes a problem when we pay particular attention to the negative aspects of a situation rather than the positive ones. Again, like the changing of the channel. Oh, I have a quick story about that that just happened today. I was texting with an ex-boyfriend today and uh, we're friends now. We had to take a talking break for many years, but he... And he's, he's, we're genuinely friends now. And he sent me a photograph. He was trying to make me feel better. And he sent me this photograph from a party that we were, we went to. And, you know, his feelings attached to it were gratitude. And, you know, he had positive things to say about it. And that picture, I'm sure my mood is not contributing to that. That party was, was a miserable, miserable party for me. Why? We had not been getting along that day. And, he chose one way to handle it and I chose another and it was just a very painful day for me. Um, I was at a party where I didn't know anybody stuck hours, you know, hours away from home and I was there for hours. And anyway, so I, I, you're not paying attention to the, I mean, there were no positive aspects to pay attention to in that situation. I think you guys just had different opinions about what happened, right? But also if I, the reason, one of the reasons we didn't talk, it was a very difficult relationship. I really don't remember many good things from it, to be honest. And, you know, when I look at old photos, I go, oh, my goodness, we were in love. You know, I'm reminded of that. And those feelings come back. But when I don't see photos and we're, we're not having a positive interaction, all I think about are the negative things that happened. And they still hurt me just as dramatically as they did when they happened, which is now a decade ago. Well, I, I mean, I, isn't that selective? I don't I don't know if that's selective because I don't have a lot of good memories of the relationship I had before my husband. Like I can't bring those up. And I think part of that was because that relationship should have ended like halfway through, but we dragged it out for another couple of years. I mean, I don't know. Shouldn't you remember? You guys are friends now. And, you know, at some point you're going to want to, when he kicks the bucket, you're going to want to remember the good <laughs> stuff, right? I mean, we're, we're at the point in our lives where people are kicking the bucket and it's very important to be close and to you know focus on the love there are good memories from the very beginning but just it's they're just very early on memories i don't know doing this podcast has helped me remember a little bit more of why we were together yeah you know because but it, that's because i'm trying to take responsibility for some of why the relationship didn't work out i think it was easier for me to paint it as much more bleak when i was trying to get out of it that's a that's a tough one barb i mean you wouldn't be in that relationship still if the good memories outweighed the bad i think right yeah but i should remember the good stuff well that was just a particular example of a bad memory you had but it happens a lot can you try <laughs> i mean not just i'm not saying that about that relationship but in general in life like i'll remember <sighs> like oh, i just remember the worst moments from like 
from the well that's the depressed <laughs> brain though that's no the, that's what i'm saying that, no that is exactly what the depressed brain does the depressed brain only focuses look your connections your neutronic mm-hmm. hear me out connections yes for that stuff oh wait hold on there's the best there's the best paragraph hold on vera's looking for some information and while she does that i think i'll just recount some of my bad memories for you there's the goth club in london i went to and i can't remember anything about but um the moment that i fell down the stairs there's the um really wonderful conversation i was having with my dad and then i farted <laughs> God. Didn't you think that was funny? Oh, God. Dad used to do these farts. We lived in this little two-story guest house. He used to do these farts on the first floor that would send us up to the second floor screaming. <laughs> but unfortunately, like, the house was made so janky that there were, like, there was a big hole. It would come up through the vent and we would just, ah! <laughs> I think Dad would be, I mean, that's when we were little. I think he's like, oh, they're only six. They, they are not going to remember this. <laughs> <laughs> and tell it on a podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, I found the part. I found okay. the part. Okay, thus in depression, you're more likely to store more bad memories than good ones. On top of that, because of the context-dependent memory, you're going to have to get the book and figure out what that is. Depression makes it harder to remember happy memories and easier to remember bad ones. So I'm, I'm going to keep reading. Lastly, you might think uh, your happy memories are safe from the mood bias, but unfortunately, old memories aren't retrieved like an old email. They're reconstructed from bits and pieces every time you remember them. Your negative mood influences that uh, reconstruction so that you add a bit more darkness and sadness to them. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Recognizing that you're viewing your own past (laughs) through the sunglasses of your current depression can help you realize that your life hasn't always been this bad. I have a post-it that says terrible this explains so much (laughs) wait so you can't even so in addition to cyclical thinking you're actually causing more damage yes every time you if you're if that's if you have the depressed brain every time you have your memory because i am the same way anytime i remember anything at all the bad stuff comes out immediately Mm -hmm. but that's your depressed brain so this is this book is about working on getting your brain so that it's not in the depressed state so that you can have memories and not immediately go All right. All right. Okay, so I got a letter from a woman, and she wrote to me, and she said, I need your help. Okay, that's what she said. She said, I need your help. I can't do anything with myself. I have no internal uh, strength or power. I cannot figure out my life. I need the help of someone I've never met before. So I said, I said, okay, uh, fine. Come to my seminar. I will find you another. It's only a week before my seminar. Spots are complete. I have, a, I have a 50 hour seminar. Okay. It's an immersive experience. People plan on coming all year round. There's, there's no spots left. I will give you a spot. I will only charge you for half the late fee because I feel sorry for you. So uh, she showed up to my seminar and I found her, okay? Uh, She talked to my assistant and she she told uh, my assistant, uh, you know, about our life and she seemed like a really sad sack of shit. So uh, I just want to, I want to share with you now. I just want to, here's a story from this woman. Okay, uh, about a very depressed time in her life, and I, I, I'm gonna get to a little bit later how I helped her. All right, so here it is. I remember sitting, I was probably at 14 or so, sitting in our ex stepdad's living room. 
watching TV and it was a summer where our, they'd split but they're kind of back together and just my life was completely out of control. Do you remember that time? Remember the around that time? Well, we were 13 and that's the 13. summer I got super into uh, Life and Hell books, Matt Groening's series uh-huh. and I just got angry and bitter. <laughs> I was like, that, and I didn't talk to my mom, literally didn't talk to her for three months. You were, oh, what's that What's that one comic, The Disaffected Teen or what? what is it? The... <laughs> There's one Matt Groening comic of, yeah, <laughs> that was the summer that I discovered the Pixies and R.E.M. And, yes, R.E.M. And, and XTC and yeah. a lot of other bands. That was what I went to. But I remember sitting in his living room watching TV. Were you were you wiping Seabreeze on your face? Because I did that obsessively that entire summer. Do you huh. remember Seabreeze? Yeah, <laughs> made you tingly. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> it took a layer off your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, kind of along the same lines, I was, I started scratching my leg uh-huh. and I didn't stop and I kept scratching and scratching and scratching. Just so and you scratching. could feel something. And I scratched, I scratched until it became red, scratched until, not until it bled, but until it, I rem- always remember this clear liquid started forming oh, in little, and I kept scratching and scratching and I scratched this crater into my leg and it that's exactly what it was i wanted to feel something other than this just inescapable pain emotional pain and there was no we, we didn't drink there was no drugs i cigarettes there was like no boys there was n- fucking nothing other than you know that now you're a little bit uh familiar with this woman and her sad uh, sack of shit story and i want to share with you what i did i took her in my arms and i've got these giant long meaty arms they're very brown and there's lots of veins sticking out of them and uh and i have these hands that are like the size of like dinner plates and uh and they're always sweaty and and my fingernails are like uh, really thick and it's uh, and they're a little bit too long and uh and so i wrapped you know without asking her permission i wrapped these big horse leg arms around her tiny body and i uh crushed her i crushed her and i you know i think because i'm also uh i'm very brilliant and helping people i'm also a sexual demon i think she probably felt you know very aroused and and then i think what i did was i solved her problem uh yeah okay so that was super duper weird um but let's keep moving and maybe pretend that that didn't happen um the duffy sisters want to remind you that they have a new p.o box and they would like you to send them letters their p.o box is p.o box 121 now uh, once again that is a p.o box in north hollywood california 91603 uh, you can also write a zero three nine one six zero three will also work. They would love to hear from you. You know, as long as you uh, have something that isn't crazy to send them, we will be returning in a week with part two of the upward spiral. So look forward to that and. Uh, We just want to, all of us, except for that guy, want to wish you a very happy 2020.
2021. Uh, there's a lot of difficult things that have happened in 2020. Zero or oh. But we are all looking forward to connecting and celebrating a brand new year. So we just want to wish you the best for this coming year. So we uh, so take good care. And we will see you next week. Oh, and if you would like to connect with the sisters but not send them a letter, what you can do is give them stars on uh, Apple iPod Tunes casts. Uh, you can figure it out. I, I still haven't. But what you can do is you can rate their podcast. They would certainly appreciate the five stars. They would really like you to give them a written a written recommendation. Uh, it's worth more than gold to them. They are trying to get more listeners and you can help them. But thank you to everyone who has been listening all over the world. It's very exciting. Happy New Year and goodbye, Anara. <laughs>